Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. The only consistent thing about Disney restaurants is that they're inconsistent. So, and I say that all the time on my YouTube channel, they change out their chefs, they change out their staff, they change out their menus so much that it's almost like it's a different restaurant each time you go. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest, citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. It's our season four premiere, and I'm excited to welcome our new producer, Andrew Lucas. He's already working behind the scenes, and later this season, you'll get to hear from Andrew himself. But first, don't eat another morsel of food at Walt Disney World until you hear my conversation with today's guest. I'm chatting with A.J. Wolf, owner and executive editor of Disney Food Blog. You might call it the most magical food blog on earth. Disney Food Blog, along with its accompanying YouTube and social media channels, is the uber popular destination for Disney food news. Want to know the best Disney World restaurant for vegetarians or how to get a birthday cake delivered to your room at a Disney hotel? DFB's got you covered. In fact, the blog offers news, reviews, and photos of anything food-related at Disney's parks, resorts, events, cruise ships, and even movies. I recently spoke with Disney Food Blog's owner and executive editor, AJ Wolf, for her best Disney World dining tips. AJ's blog has no official affiliation with the Disney company, so she's not afraid to tell you which dining experiences are beauties and which are beasts. My name is AJ Wolf, and I run a media company, one of our websites and YouTube channels and everything is associated with Disney food blog. Okay. When and how did you get into this? Uh, 2009 is when this particular site started. We have um, a few other sites in our company and we started those a little bit earlier. 2009 was the beginning of DFB and it was mostly because back then people weren't really talking about food at Disney world and Disney parks. They were real focused on rides. They were real focused on, you know, all, all of the, the rest of it. But there was almost a kind of a stigma about talking about food. People didn't want to be known as, as folks who really cared that much about their theme park food. But I kind of wanted this site to exist. And there was another site called WDW Food where this couple would just go to Disney World a couple times a year and put up pictures of their food. And I thought, this is great. And I kept refreshing that page, hoping that they'd go back to Disney World. And so I figured, well, if I want this to exist, then there must be other people who want it to exist. And so I I, uh, I started the site for that purpose. Oh, there are lots of people who wanted it to exist. And we can see by you've got like this <laughs> mass following. So what do you think it is about Disney food and who's actually following? Is it people who go to Disney? Is it people who fantasize about going to Disney? 
So I think it's a little bit of everything. And yeah, people are super interested in food at their theme parks for multiple reasons. First is that you're going to spend a ton of money on it. And um, at Disney World specifically, you know, you have to book your restaurants really far in advance, especially those really expensive, really popular restaurants. You know, it used to be six months in advance. Right now, it's sitting at two months in advance. But you figure you're going to probably spend more money on food than your park ticket than potentially even your hotel. And so this could be the most expensive part of your trip. Why would you not want, like you wouldn't just arrive at Disney World and randomly choose a hotel. Like you're gonna research, you're gonna figure out what hotel makes sense for you. So why wouldn't you do the same with food? And I think that the people who are following are people who are big Disney fans and love Disney and are going to Disney all the time. And also people who are brand new to Disney and just have no idea what to expect. And I hope they're following because it really can completely change your trip if you have planned out where to spend your money on food, especially if you have allergies in your family or picky eaters, or you're gonna be in certain places at certain times. Um, There are a lot of people who go to Disney World that end up eating bad food that's really expensive and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so um, so we try to make sure that, that, that you don't do that and that you have a great experience and great food and, and you know what you're getting. Okay, let's talk about some of those mistakes that people make and how to yeah. avoid them. Eating bad yeah. food. I don't want to like throw any, any Disney restaurants under the bus, but like what's something that you think is overrated at Disney World? Um, well, something that I always kind of talk about as being a one and done is eating in the castle. I think everybody should do it one time, but it's going to set you back for a family of four. It's going to set you back 200 bucks. Plus, you know, that's just incredibly expensive. The food is not all that great. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to someone's wedding, it's like banquet food, you know? Like rubber um, skin, but within the yeah, Cinderella yeah. castle. I mean, they do, they do a decent job. It's a little better than rubber chicken and they're getting better over the years. They've been getting better, but it's just, you know, it's so mass produced because they turn those tables over so quickly in the castle. They want to get as many people through there as they can. So you get that sense that this is just like, they just line up those plates and there's not a lot of unique thought going into each one of those plates and you're spending a lot of money. And you know, yes, it's the castle. You have to eat in there. Why wouldn't you? That's an incredible experience. Usually in the before times, there's lots of princesses in there. And so that's another reason why you're paying the big bucks. But I, I feel like personally, you've been there once, you know, why, why, do that to your, why do that to your bank account again? What are some of the great things? What are some places that maybe get overlooked at Disney World? And, and I know that you cover other, other Disney properties besides Disney World, but since this is a sure. food podcast, that's what we're talking about today. So what yeah, else, where, where do you go? Tell me about your family and where you guys go when you go to Disney World. I don't take my family to Disney World that often because um, <laughs> when I go to Disney World, I work and I eat, you know, 17 meals a day. And, you know, I just I just go, go, go. So I don't actually take my family there too often. But when we do go. The only consistent thing about Disney restaurants is that they're inconsistent. So, and I say that all the time on my YouTube channel, they change out their chefs, they change out their staff, they change out their menus so much that it's almost like it's a different restaurant each time you go. And so when people say to me, what are the good places to go? What are the bad places to go? I've got a few that are, you know, relatively consistent. You can rely on them. But really, it changes all the time. So every time someone says, what's your favorite restaurant? 
It's always a different answer. Today, the thing that I'm craving at the moment is the chicken and waffles from the Grand Floridian Cafe, which is a hotel restaurant at the Grand Floridian Resort, which is their flagship hotel. But the Grand Floridian Cafe is just, you know, kind of a hotel restaurant, but it's consistently good. And they've got a great kind of brunch menu every day. So a lot of places in Disney, you can only brunch on the weekends. Here, you've got a brunch menu every day. They have an absolutely phenomenal chicken and waffles, which is a cornflake crusted chicken with a hot honey and a Mickey waffle, which is super, super cute, but also delicious. Everybody loves Mickey waffles. So those things together end up being a really, really yummy kind of brunch option. And that's what I'm personally obsessing about because I had it two weeks ago and I want it again. And that's always something that I'm, I really pay attention to is when I want something again, when I want to go back and pay money for that twice, then that means that we need to talk about that. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you just said you go there and you eat nonstop, which like, okay, we're going to throw you a pity party going to Disney with no (laughs) and eating all day long. So that's something that you come back to. What's what's one of the more crazy items that you've tried at Disney? Disney doesn't get that crazy, honestly, because they have to serve such a wide variety of people and they have to make things that are palatable and culturally acceptable to a lot of different people. They don't really go too far out of bounds. And that's one problem that Disney has is that they don't jump on trends very quickly because they, you know, they can't really make sure it's worth their dollar to do that. So if there's a food trend going on, Disney might get into it uh, like six months later or seven months later, you know, it's like all of a sudden Disney's doing hot Cheeto everything when hot Cheetos that, that passed three months ago, or now they've got cronuts everywhere and cronuts they're passe now, you know, so it's really kind of funny to see kind of that happen, but there are some, some chefs in some restaurants. Anyway, this isn't the question you asked. Weird stuff I've had at Disney for a little while. They had a Pop-Tart breakfast sandwich, which sounds incredible, which was like, you know, bacon and eggs and cheese between two Pop-Tarts. They had that for a little bit at Pop Century Resort. They had for a little while, the ESPN club at uh, the boardwalk had a peanut butter and jelly burger that had jalapenos and it was, it was sort of like a, a spicy peanut butter and jelly burger. But yeah, I mean, they, every once in a while, you'll see something interesting that they're trying out. And I love when they do that. It doesn't usually stay on the menu very long because not that many people are going to order it. You know, Disney knows where their bread is buttered. They know, you know, this is what people are going to order. This is what they're going to like. Once in a while, some of the chefs at the more expensive signature restaurants get to play a little bit more. And that's a lot of fun. It's clear that you are not afraid to like throw a little shade at Disney. So what is your relationship with Disney and what do they think of your blog and your YouTube channel? I don't know what they think of my blog or my, or my YouTube channel. Uh, my relationship with them is, is positive. You know, we make it very clear that we're an unbiased, independent website and YouTube channel. And we do attend media events. Disney invites us to media events. We do attend those. But most of the time, we, uh, it is our goal to pay for all of our own food, our own hotel, our own travel, and our own tickets so that we feel comfortable confirming that we have an unbiased review for our readers. And, you know, I mentioned to you, I don't put my face out there. Really, neither do my reporters. And so the chefs or the servers don't know who we are when we come into a restaurant so that we can do as much of an anonymous review as possible. But I I think Disney really respects that. Um, I think they understand that that's 
a, a beneficial thing for them. We are typically pretty positive about Disney. We, we love, obviously, we love Disney. We're dedicating our lives to writing about the parks because we love the parks. If there is something that's not worth your money, we absolutely aren't afraid to say, hey, this probably isn't the best way to spend your, your dollars. But at the same time, my goal isn't to tell my readers or my viewers what's good or bad. My goal is to explain who that restaurant is for or who that food is for. My, my good example of this is there's restaurants like T-Rex at Disney Springs, which is very, very much a kid's restaurant. It is a bunch of animatronic dinosaurs. There's meteor showers, you know, every 15 minutes. You're eating in an ice cave where all your food looks alternately purple and blue. You know, it's very cool for kids. They are going to love it. It is completely overpriced food. It's not really all that good, but your kid's going to love it. And so do you, do you want to go to T-Rex if you're there on your honeymoon? Probably not. Do you want to go to T-Rex if you have a little kid who loves dinosaurs? Absolutely. So every restaurant in Disney World makes sense for somebody. So my job is to just say, this is who this is for. This is who this probably isn't for. And to show you what you're going to get and how much it costs so that you know, you make the decision for yourself, what's good or bad. I'm not a trained chef. I don't know anything about food except that I love to eat it. So that's what I try to do is say, here's what you're going to get. Here's how much it costs. We didn't love it, but Maybe you're a big fan of hot Cheetos on cupcakes. I don't know. I don't know either because I haven't tried that, but I'm going to have to <laughs> add that to my bucket list. <laughs> you mentioned that some restaurants get booked months in advance. And my friend Sharon Kennedy Wynn writes about Florida's theme parks for the Tampa Bay Times. And when she found out that I was going to be talking to you, she wrote me with this question. I hate that most Disney World restaurants are booked for months. What's your advice for the slackers like me who don't want to plan their dinner six months in advance. What are the best fast <laughs> service options if you can't get a reservation? Or is there a trick to getting a reservation at the last minute? Okay. Well, so things are real weird right now, right? Because it is COVID. There's a lot of restaurants not open. Restaurants are serving at limited capacity. So that's something to take into account. So it would be a different answer in the before times and the after times. So I'm just going to give a quick overview for uh, if we go back to normal, the best thing to do is to look at alternative restaurants. There are for every restaurant that's super popular that books up six months in advance, there's a good alternative that doesn't. So for example, Cinderella's Royal Table, Princesses in the Castle, there's a restaurant in Epcot called Akersus, which is in Norway, which is also Princesses. You're also in a castle it does not book up as quickly. So that's a good one to check out. You want to eat with Mickey Mouse, you know, so Chef Mickey's is going to book up six months in advance over there in the contemporary. But Mickey is also at several other restaurants. You can go to Garden Grill in Epcot, which is my favorite character restaurant. It's smaller. It's family style. You don't have to deal with a buffet. It's a rotating restaurant. So the thing actually spins around, which is so much fun. And the, because it's a smaller restaurant, the characters come around more often. So to me, that's a no brainer. You get to see Mickey tons of times instead of that one time really quickly when he just like runs by and then they turn over the table really, really fast. So that's a no brainer. So look for the alternatives that are very similar. And of course, those are, you know, we talk about those all the time on Disney Food Blog. That's part of our values that we can help you figure out where to go to get basically a similar experience for probably less money and you can book it later. 
right now they have something called the walk-up wait list, which is where a lot of these restaurants tend to fall. What we've found in the past few months is that restaurants are booking up real, 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 real fast. And I think that's because of the limited capacity. And what they've introduced is this walk-up wait list, which is basically when you get to the park you want to dine at or the park you're at for the day. If you don't have a dining reservation, you can go into your My Disney Experience, which is the little app that Disney World has. Say, I want to reserve dining. And now there's a little button that says now instead of a time. And that will tell you who's got tables now or who's seating now and what the wait is going to be. And I've seen a lot of popular restaurants pop up in that little area recently. And so I feel like they're almost sort of, I mean, I don't know if they're holding back tables or what, but I feel like those are kind of coming up at the last minute now. So that's a little trick you can try. When it comes to fast food, there is actually, Disney has had a renaissance with fast food. They're doing a great job with it. Every park has a fast food location that is gonna get you actually decent food. Some of my favorites, Satuli Canteen over there in Pandora and Animal Kingdom, that's that's good food. It's almost like a Chipotle. There's bowls with you pick your protein and your sauce and your base. It feels much more upscale. And another quick trick, if you are going at the last minute and you don't want to book a bunch of stuff, is to consider lounges. Lounges are available for families. Kids can go into lounges. And these are usually attached to a, a table service or a sit-down restaurant, but they will often serve the menu from the sit-down restaurant, or they'll serve some, you know, at least a few great options. So Nomad Lounge in Animal Kingdom is a great option. Everybody loves it. It's one of those no-brainers. Everybody thinks that this is one of the greatest places in the world, and it's a really chill place to just go in and relax, but there's no reservation, so you can just go whenever. Tuto Gusto over in Epcot is a lounge in the Italy pavilion. They've got great wine flights. They've got paninis. They've got all kinds of cool stuff there. And you can order some things from the menu over at Tuto Italia. So lounges are always a good option too, if you don't have a reservation. Oh, this, I'm just seeing why so many people follow you. You're just like (laughs) the friend that we all need to just be able to text and ask, where should I go? What should I do? This is so helpful. You talked about the like dinosaur restaurant that I'm sure my kids would love, but on a date night with my husband, not so much. So what's a good date night restaurant at Disney? Because I know a lot of people who go there without kids. Right. Oh, absolutely. So of course, Disney's got their high level, sort of they call it their signature dining. And those are their fancier restaurants, places like California Grill at the top of the Contemporary Resort, which by the way, has a lounge with no reservations. So if you want to go to California Grill and you can't get a reservation, you can always go to the lounge and order from the whole menu. That's a really great tip. Victoria and Albert's, which is that super, super, super fancy AAA Five Diamond restaurant, real, real stuffy, you know, but delicious food and you know you're gonna drop a couple hundred bucks per person there so that's a that's a more like okay this is our 50th anniversary kind of thing not just a date night and I have honestly been super impressed with you know you you never want to rule out those hotel restaurants there's several hotel restaurants that are going to be great and not too crowded Gico at Animal Kingdom Lodge is a great date night restaurant not open right now but it will come back Disney Springs has been really, really impressive lately. Ever since they kind of did the complete renovation from downtown Disney to Disney Springs, 
they brought in a lot of really excellent restaurants. If you want kind of down home Southern comfort food, Homecoming is a great option. It will be more food than you could ever possibly yes, eat, but it's still so worth it. We had Chef Art Smith on uh, last season of The Zest. He's great. Yeah. Oh, I love him. He's fantastic. I mean, anyone who can cook for um, Oprah can cook for me, right? <laughs> I know, exactly. And he's so invested in that restaurant. You know, some celebrity chefs are not. They, they never they never show, but he's really invested there. And you can tell his, his um, you know, his handiwork is definitely on that menu. Another great date night restaurant in Disney Springs is Wine Bar George, which is uh, George Miliates, who opened up the California Grill was the sommelier, the master sommelier there um, way back in the day. And this is his personal restaurant. And what I love about this restaurant is even though it's named Wine Bar, it, it's not stuffy. It's not pretentious. The, the staff knows so much and they have a great by the ounce wine program where you can try some of the most expensive wines, but just get one ounce. You don't have to pay for a bottle. You don't have to pay for a nine ounce glass and you can try like four of them and see which one you like best. The food is really, really good there too. And George is there all the time. I think George has a tent in the back that he sleeps in because he's constantly at, at that restaurant. And you can tell again that his hand is very, very much on what happens there. Um, and he's just phenomenal and excellent and so knowledgeable. And he's brought a staff that is really approachable. You know, it's a very approachable restaurant. So that's real fun there too. But there's so many places in um, in Disney Springs. Morimoto Asia is a great date night restaurant. Love that place. That's Chef Masaharu Morimoto, uh, who's an iron chef. You know, Wolfgang Puck has his new restaurant there. So lots of celebrity chefs. But Raglan Road is an awesome restaurant as well. One of my favorites, a lot of fun, great food, and a lot of humor in the food as well, which you don't get to see in a lot of restaurants. So that's really fun too. Oh, this is so helpful. Okay, just a couple more food questions. And then I want to talk about you. Um, what's your pick for a dessert? Something sweet. I mean, that's all my kids are interested in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Disney's doing a lot of bread puddings and the Ohana bread pudding, which is one of the most famous in all of Disney World. Ohana is at the Polynesian Village Resort. It's not reopened yet, but you can get that super famous bread pudding over at Kona Cafe right now. And you can get it after 4 p.m. at the Tambu Lounge, which is the lounge next to Ohana. So that's something that people love. Weirdly, I, I'm not a huge fan of House of Blues. That's in Disney Springs right now. I'm not a huge fan of the food there, but they have a bread pudding there that is destination worthy. They have something on top of their bread pudding that they call whiskey butter, which is um, as close to butter as you can get and still have it be a frosting. And it is just amazing. And I just basically say, I just need a tiny, tiny piece of the bread pudding and just like six gallons of the whiskey butter. That would be great. So that's phenomenal. Um, but other, you know, other sweet things, of course, you've got the stuff in the park. Those really unique, sweet desserts that you can't get everywhere. I'm always after something unique that you can't get in every single park and every single resort. Like Mickey bars are great, but I can get them in my grocery store. So one of my favorites is the carrot cake cookie, which is over there in Hollywood Studios. And that is at Trolley Car Cafe at Hollywood Studios right now. It's it's moved around. It used to be at Writer's Stop. Um, then it was at Sweet Spells. Now it's over here at Trolley Car. And it's basically a whoopie pie, but you've got two carrot cake cookies and they're cake, really. They're not really cookies. And then a um, a really nice thick layer of cream cheese frosting in the middle. And that's just delicious. It's only $3.99, which is insane. Like 
I'm a little, I, I hate talking about that because I feel like Disney's going to catch on. They're going to make it $6 because everything worth eating is $6. But I'm like, it's only $3.99. It will feed four people. It's huge. I love it. That's a great deal. Oh, okay. You had me at whiskey butter. My mouth is watering. I know. Oh, it's so good. I live an hour from Disney, so I might have to hop in the car and go there as soon as this conversation is over. But I know that I know that you don't live an hour from Disney. So where are you based and how do you know so much about the food at all the Disney properties? So I'm based in Dallas, Texas. So I'm right in between Disneyland and Disney World. And it's about three hour plane trip to both. But what happened is, you know, about 2011, 2012, when, you know, we were just growing so fast and social media was starting to catch on, smartphones were starting to become very prevalent and people started to take pictures of their food. And so they got interested in it. They got interested in food coverage. They got interested in niche websites because this, of course, was when for a long time, food coverage was relegated just to the uh, trained food writers, you know, for the New York Times or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has a voice with social media, with smartphones. Everybody can say what they want to say about things. And so that was kind of we had we were right there at the right time that that was starting to become acceptable. People wanted to hear what other people had to say about this stuff. We could take pictures without looking like idiots. Oh my goodness, 2009, when I would take my DSLR into the Disney restaurants, I would get the meanest looks. People were so weirded out. And now it's like everybody's taking pictures of their food. I, I feel normal finally. But anyway, so around 2010, 2011, we, um, we started to need to hire staff. And I would go to Disney World probably like once a, once a month. I would go for a few days. And I still do that. I still go to Disney World once a month for a few days usually. But now, of course, we want to cover everything. We want to make sure that we have the credibility to say we know what we're talking about. So I've got staff on both coasts. People are in the parks every single day, all four parks every single day. We eat everything that's new and we, we, do, we get those reviews up immediately. So people know kind of, okay, we're going to Disney World next week. We thought we had our food plan set, but wait a minute, there's this new thing. We've got to get it. Okay. Last question. I know that Disney World celebrates its 50th anniversary on October 1st of 2020. So what are you looking forward to? I know you've tried more foods than you can even remember, but is there anything you're looking forward to trying? I'm hoping they actually open Space 220 at some point ever. That would be great. I don't even you know, know what that is. What is that? Space 220. Okay. So Space 220 is a restaurant in Epcot that um, they announced back in 2017. And it was supposed to open in 2019. And then it was pushed and then it was pushed and then it was pushed and it's still being pushed and it's right there next to Mission Space. And it's a restaurant where you're going to be able to take an elevator up to the space station and eat on the space station. And you're going to be able to see, you know, the earth from the it's kind of going to be like coral reef, like that giant aquarium, except the aquarium is space. So that's kind of what it's going to be. And they just keep pushing it. And it's like people who are just watching, you know, the Disney news all the time. We're just like, when is this going to open? We can't wait to go. So I don't know if it'll open before the 50th or not, or if it'll be part of kind of what they, because they're opening um, a bunch of other stuff in Epcot for the 50th too. So I don't know when they're going to open it. I hope they open it. 
someday, sometime, and I'm still alive to see it. I'm looking forward to that. I hope it'll be good. <laughs> it better be worth the wait, right? Whenever they do open it, we will definitely be uh, looking forward on your Instagram and your website and your YouTube. Is there anything else you want to share with our Florida foodies? This has been so helpful. Oh, good. I'm glad. No, Florida foodies are super, super knowledgeable. And there's just so much to eat in the Orlando area and just all over the state. It is Florida is doing such amazing things in food right now. And it's so much fun to watch. So, you know, that's, if I can be helpful at all, the people coming, cause I know there's a lot of locals that go all the time. If I can be helpful, I, I really do try to give tips for both people who go all the time and people who've never been. So it's, it's tough to straddle that, but I think those are both important groups. So we're, we're doing our best. Well, AJ Wolf, it has been so great to talk to you. Thanks for taking all those trips to Disney and eating everything and taking one for the team. You're welcome. (laughs) Somebody's got to do it. It really was very useful and you're just full of great information. So thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. AJ Wolf is the owner and executive editor of Disney Food Blog. We've got more Disney food talk, including a conversation with Chef Art Smith of Homecoming Florida Kitchen at Disney Springs. Find it in the show notes for this episode or on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. Andrew Lucas and I produce The Zest with help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Blake Bass. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2021.